today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. We will be announcing the date of the upcoming budget in due course, but I can tell you that we are focused very much on getting us through this global pandemic that has uh, been uh, the challenge that we face for a full year now. Uh, we have put forward measures repeatedly, including fiscal updates and significant uh, investments uh, in Canadians from uh, families to workers to small businesses. And we will continue to do absolutely everything necessary to get us through this pandemic as long as it takes. That's the promise I made to Canadians, that we would have people's backs every step of the way, whether it's on income supports, whether it's on the housing benefits we've announced today, whether it's on getting them vaccinated as quickly as possible. The Prime Minister is uh, obviously walking a very fine line here as uh, he is hoping for an election, trying for an election, uh, to take the large numbers that uh, the leaders have through a global pandemic and translate that into a majority government. Uh, part of that may be a budget, maybe not. Uh, the government says that there is a budget coming soon. The opposition criticizing this is the longest gap that Canadians, uh, Canadians have ever gone without a budget. You might remember a year ago, um, the, the government said there's no way we can do a budget. We're in COVID-19 and pretty much the same excuse now, although it appears other countries, uh, have moved forward with, with some sort of fiscal planning. So it's going to be fascinating how the, uh, Prime Minister balances, uh, uh, fitting in an election and how the budget is going to play a role in that. Opposition saying they're not going to uh, trigger an election, but could this budget, uh, since it's the first one in, in, a, in two years, uh, could this actually be uh, the issue that does trigger the next election? Let's bring in Daniel Ballon, James McGill, Professor of Political Science, Director of the McGill Institute uh, for the Study of Canada at McGill University, and is with us now. Daniel, thanks for the time. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing well, and you? I'm doing good, thanks so much. So, Daniel, do we need a budget? I mean, is is this something that's needed now, and why? Well, the sooner the better. Uh, two years without the budget is a very long time. I mean, it, yes, there is a crisis, but, you know, we went through the First World War, Second World War, the Great Depression, the Great Recession, and we never had such a long a gap between two budgets in a row. So, uh, after a while, I think it's just necessary. It's necessary for us Canadians in matter of transparency. It's necessary to know where the government is going. And it's necessary also in the context of a minority parliament for the opposition to um, really look at this budget and say whether they still have confidence uh, in the government or not. So why have we not had one until now, especially considering the examples you just gave? Well, I think it's the, really the fiscal uncertainty related to the, the pandemic, but also the emergency spending. Um, and I think that was, I understand why we postponed the budget last year. That made sense. But I think now uh, we need the budget uh, very soon. Uh, you know, if it's not uh, next, uh, if it's not this month, next month, but uh, it's just, it's just not, um, you know, it's not good for the country to be without a master plan because that's what the budget is. It's very important. It's probably the most important thing Parliament votes on uh, uh, on a regular basis, and it's about the, the finances of the country. So we need a budget. 
We remember that uh, this was chatted about last year, and the government gave the same reasoning. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We we have no idea how much we're spending or how much is this is all going to cost at this point. It's all the great unknown. And, uh, again, there was pressure on them for a budget. Instead, they held a fiscal update and prorogued government and had a throne speech. Uh, and everybody thought we were going to be called into an election between the first and second wave, but then the second wave took off, and all of a sudden the plans uh, changed. So, um, you know, Going back to what happened last year with the throne speech and such, where do you see this going? Yeah, politically, you know, timing is everything, and you're right about the fall, the second wave, uh, really, uh, was uh, the timing, where politically, of course, was not good for the the liberals. And and frankly, earlier this year, what happened with the vaccine supply uh, really uh, was uh, bad news for the government. Now that the vaccine supply is up, the hope is that by the time there is a budget, uh, you know, the rates of vaccination will be significantly higher. And for people who think about the late spring election, you know, after the budget, I mean, we'll see uh, there will be a confidence vote if the rate of vaccination is quite high, especially among m- the most vulnerable populations. It's not impossible to imagine uh, a late spring election or summer election. Uh, but uh, it will depend on the opposition parties as well, right, whether they, they want to uh, to actually support the, the, the budget or not. And you only need one party uh, to actually uh, vote in favor of the budget for the government to stay alive, unless the government decides to trigger an election. But now we don't even have a governor general. I mean, we have the, Richard Wagner, the chief justice, yeah. who's uh, you know, fulfilling the duties right now. But um, it would be a bit awkward to go to see the chief justice and, uh, you know, uh, uh, discuss, uh, um, you know, the possibility of um, or ask for a, uh, an, an election. Uh, so, so it's a really um, uh, uncertain situation politically, not just fiscally. So there uh, will not be an election called until a new governor general is installed? No, there is no rule against that. But um, I just think it's a bit awkward. Uh, and it will, right. it, it will really put the, uh, the, the chief justice in a, in a, in a strange position, frankly. Um, and I, I hope that the, 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 they, they move forward quite fast to appoint a new governor general. Um, you know, it's not impossible, but it's just not, not the best case scenario. Um, obviously, we're expecting, and, and the Prime Minister keeps promising, mass uh, injection sites and inoculation to start uh, very soon. Um, if this does turn out to be a late spring election, is, uh, in your opinion, is uh, with vaccines coming in, is that more than enough to make the public forget what happened in January, February, March? Well, yeah, if, if people are vaccinated in the end, you know, you look at recent polling numbers, the Liberals are not doing uh, bad at all. Even I saw numbers in Alberta no, where the Liberals well. are more popular than Justin Trudeau is more popular than Jason Kenney right now. So I think that uh, that was just one poll. But still, <clears throat> I think that the, the what's happening right now is that uh, people, I think, uh, are uh, on kind of waiting. And when their loved ones especially start to get vaccinated, if they have older parents, for example, and it's done, I think that they, they can be... Uh, more forgetful, right? Uh, or forgiving? <laughs> Not forgetful, forgiving. So they will forgive. Uh, they will. They could forgive the, you know, some of the lapses in vaccine supply. And I think what's happening now is that the ball is more in the provincial court. Once the supply of uh, vaccines 
increases quite dramatically. Then it's Doug Forges and Kenny Francois Legault who have to implement vaccination campaigns on a very large scale, and they have to move fast. And so the political risks now move more from Ottawa to the provinces. As long as there's a high level of international vaccine supply, which is something Ottawa is taking care of, then it's good for the Trudeau government, but then the provinces face a lot of pressures to actually deliver on the ground because they are the ones who are vaccinating people, not the federal government. Are you surprised that we have been paying so much attention on where the provincial governments are with a lack of vaccination as opposed to why we don't have more vaccination? Uh, yes. And again, the, the feds have put the provinces in a very precarious situation because if you go back and ask any of the provinces back in January, they were expecting a slow supply to slowly start trickling in and ramping up. And instead, what we've seen is shortages and inconsistencies. Uh, they've set up clinics that now they can't staff or they're not staffing simply because they don't have the product. It seems that we're spending more attention uh, on the provinces than we are on the fact that, uh, you know, the feds haven't brought the vaccine in yet. Yeah, what I'm saying is that, yeah, it changes over time. So I think at first we paid a lot of attention to the provinces when we said the vaccines are coming, the vaccines are coming. And then the attention shifted to really to uh, uh, to the feds because of what happened with Pfizer and some of the va- the vaccines, you know, supplies that were uh, delayed or cancelled and so forth. And and now that the vaccines are, are trickling, vaccines are trickling down again. Then the attention is shifting again towards the provinces. It doesn't mean that people have forgotten what happened in terms of the supply itself, but I think it's really um, the, there is emergency because also some of these vaccines, you know, if if you don't use them rapidly. Uh, they, they perish. You cannot use them anymore. <laughs> so so it, it's, a, it's, it's really a race, uh, n- more than a marathon. It's a sprint, but a constant sprint over months and months. And, and uh, some provinces are doing better than others right now in terms of vaccination. But what I'm saying is that, yes, Ottawa faces some, some political risks, but it's the same thing for premiers as well. The, the place where it's going the better is uh, the, the territories. Of course, they are very small in terms of population, but their vaccination rates are very high compared to the provinces. But you look at the provinces, there is some variation. Quebec is doing better than, than, than BC right now, for example, and, and Ontario, but in terms of rates of vaccination, but it's still very early in the game. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. And that also goes back to the fact that uh, that uh, Quebec has just started to administer their second doses three and four months uh, after they've administered their first, and that's what put them uh, far ahead at the pack at the beginning of this because they weren't holding any doses back. Uh, getting back to the budget, um, is there anything positive that can come out of a budget when you're in the midst of a pandemic? Will this will this budget de- detail how we're going to pay for this or just how we're going to move forward yeah how we can we'll pay for this it might have to wait a little bit especially if it's considered as a pre-electoral budget it depends on the political calculus of the liberals and you know do they think it's a it's a budget that's um that's really more like an electoral platform um you know in that case i don't think you will see much in terms of how we can uh, you know uh, balance the budget anytime soon and they are saying it there is no even the, the conservatives are saying it there is no there is no i think objective of balancing the budget anytime soon but um i, I expect a, a budget will tell us exactly what what the current fiscal situation but also what are the spending priorities of the government moving forward are they still focusing on kind of a, a 
emergency uh, stimulus or you know economic recovery or they want to invest more in, in long-term social programming which is not necessarily directly related to the pandemic although sometimes it is like long-term care uh, because we discovered or, or we were reminded of the fact that our long-term care system is really flawed because of COVID and so many older folks died in long-term care facilities. Um, but these are spending priorities that extend way beyond the pandemic. So we'll see whether they will have a more long-term view and whether they will emphasize economic recovery uh, uh, or they will also emphasize um, um, social spending beyond emergency spending. How can, you know, considering where we are, it doesn't matter what parties uh, empower here, uh, how can a budget be good news at this point? Yeah, good news. I think it will depend on, you know, what's happening over the next, what will happen over the next few weeks when we actually have the budget. Um, uh, You know, if the economy, if, if more people are vaccinated and the economy improves, then maybe the budget will feature projections that are a bit more hopeful about the deficit and the debt and, and economic factors uh, like, uh, po- you know, potential unemployment rates and so forth. But, yeah, I think in, in a situation like ours, I, you know, it's, it's a budget where we will have a, a very high deficit, no uh, balanced budget in sight, and, um, and I think no clear path to, you know, balancing the budget, except the hope that the economy will return to what it was before the pandemic, because the economy was strong in Canada before the pandemic overall. Uh, Of course, there are some regions like, you know, in Alberta or Saskatchewan, especially Alberta, where things were not going so well, they are still not going well. But um, it's about the timing of the recovery. But yeah, it it will, uh, even if it's a pre-electoral budget, um, uh, you know, it's it's certainly not a budget where you will have... um, uh, from a fiscal standpoint, good news in terms of the size of the deficit, um, it, it certainly will, will be in the red for, uh, for a while. Uh, the Prime Minister has borrowed uh, Joe Biden's line from the United States, build back better. Will this, include the, uh, will this budget include uh, steps to build back better? Will it be, uh, you know, traditionally the, the issues that the Prime Minister focus, focuses on, like climate change and social issues? Or do you think this will be more centered around jobs, the economy, health care, health care security, that sort of thing? Well, they will probably try to include all of this, but they, you need to make choices at some point. Some some people, are, uh, economists and, and advocates, are advocating for green, you know, uh, major investments in uh, in in the, the green economy and 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 digital economy and so forth. While others, they want to pursue a kind of pre- traditional recovery through investments in infrastructure and so forth. Um, you know, I, I think that. We will have a plan over, ye- over uh, you know, several years, but it's likely that we'll have elections before this plan can be implemented. That's why I'm saying that a lot of this will be more an electoral platform uh, in the context of minority parliament. So they may promise a lot of things or say, we'll do this in two or three years from now. But in the minority parliament, you know, it's not sure at all they will be in power even in six months from now or three months from now. So, and, so I think that um, there will be a lot of... Um, uh, posturing in that budget. 
nobody wants to call an election. Uh, however, you know, you get the feeling deep down that many want it. Uh, the prime minister certainly, because he's in, you know, a, a good standing right now. Uh, the opposition parties say they don't want to trigger it uh, at this point. Will the government use uh, the budget or something similar to this to trigger it? Will will opposition be backed into a corner uh, where they can't support something, or will they just bite their lip and and do what they have to do till things are better for them? Yeah, you know, it's a difficult call. It will really depend on the content of the budget. Um, I think the, the, the weakest link here is probably the NDP, because if there is big spending items in the budget, things that they have long supported regarding investments in childcare, in uh, long-term care, in pharma care, and so forth, it would be very hard for them to say no to that budget. For the other parties, I think the conservatives and the bloc, uh, it will be easier to pull the trigger. Uh, now, the NDP is in a better financial situation now than it was last year in terms of the party itself, uh, but it's not doing that great in the polls. So, um, you know, we will see. They, will all, they all have their own, you know, uh, uh, forms of political calculus, the, the liberals as well. I think it will depend on, uh, also on the rate of vaccinations and what's happening, because if the supply of vaccines is interrupted again, say Pfizer and other company decides to suspend, you know, shipments for a few weeks, uh, out of the blue like that, then I think the liberals will just don't want an election this spring. But if things uh, keep improving on that front, so there is a lot of uncertainty for them too. They don't know the future, just like us, right? So I think that they, they play by ear, but they have different strategies. And the budget, certainly the liberals think it, it's a potential electoral platform. If, it's, if you don't have elections in the late spring, it might be the fall, and they will still run on that budget, right? The arrival of these vaccines is critical to all of this, isn't it? Absolutely, and, and some, not something yeah. we control entirely. We depend on, on foreign companies for that, and, and yeah. uh, it's in part because we don't have the, you know, we talked about that in, in a previous show with you, uh, about uh, um, we, don't, we have very limited national, like domestic, uh, industrial capacity to actually fabricate vaccines, to, to, to manufacture vaccines, right? Uh, and that's something we need to fix. Uh, and maybe the budget will also have some news about this because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a national security issue in a way, and it's certainly a, 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 in the national interest to, to rebuild. When we think about building back better, we should also build back our manufacturing capacity in, in, in vaccination, and that will create jobs too, right? So it's, um, it's, it's not rocket science, I think. Daniel Ballon has been with us, James McGill, Professor of Political Science and Director of the McGill Institute Study of Canada with McGill University. Daniel, as always, thank you so much for the time. Be well. You too, and have a wonderful afternoon. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.